into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Our final one of, of the season before a little summer break. How are you? I'm very well. The The sun is shining. It's a, a beautiful day and we're we were just trying to get some team news from <laughs> Australia's match, which by the time you're listening to this will have already taken place. But just to see how many uh, current Hearts players can get into the starting 11. Um, a former Hearts player who I don't think has been the starting 11, I think he's actually sitting in his driveway, uh, is Mr. Ryan McGowan, who joins us on Scarves Around the Funnel. Uh, you always have to rub it in, don't you? Unbelievable! It's like not even two minutes in. It's already oh well. You're not in the Australia squad, so yeah. you're with us. I'm on standby, so maybe someone gets injured tonight. I might get the old call up for the next game. That's why Hopefully you're sitting in the driveway. You're just waiting <laughs> yes. for the call. Yeah. You're not even in the house. You're in the car. I'm at Edinburgh Airport. Case. I'm at the airport just waiting. That doesn't. Hey, that doesn't mean your plane's going to take off, does it? No, no, not at all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. Another, well, a man who knows all about um, being on planes recently because he's finally getting a, a well-deserved break. We are delighted to be joined for a fourth time on huh? Scarves Around the Funnel by Hearts head coach, Robbie Nielsen. How are you doing, Robbie? Very well, thanks, Laurie. Good to be here. It's nice to talk to you again. I didn't realise it was a fourth time, mate, but it's good. To, always good to be back. I think other than um, Ryan McGowan, you probably have the most appearances now, I think. Would that be right, Mark? Yeah, yeah, but it's quality, not quantity. So that's why you're back. Exactly. Because yeah. you offer a lot. Yes. I was a squad last season, mate. Quality. <laughs> all right. Before before we get into all this, right? So twelve months ago, um, you, you kind of when you joined us twelve months ago, and I know you joined us in January. Um, you, you were talking about <laughs> trying to get extra time to hand stuff in because you were studying. Uh, is that all done now? And and have you got letters after your name now? Not, not yet, mate. I'm still. I had a, I had oh. a presentation to do, mate. So I've put it on the back burner a wee bit, but I still need to get it done and dusted. So, yeah, the, the, the actual um, assignments were fine, but it's just a dissertation. So, still okay. need to get it finished. So, yeah, maybe, maybe next year before I get the letters after my name. <laughs> <laughs> and you're enjoying some sun, I believe, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll be just warming up, will you, for all the fancy European trips you're going to get between now and Christmas? Yeah, so it's good to be away. First time I've been away for the, for the kids since 2016, so getting a couple of weeks off, but there's still a lot of stuff going on in the background. We've got a few things bubbling away in the next couple of days to try and uh, get some players in, which will be good. I take it the life of a, a football manager, you're never really on holiday, even when you're on holiday, are you? Uh, the, the, to be honest, there's always stuff going on. You know, This is probably the most important time of the year, because we can you can coach and give tactics all you want, but the most important thing is getting players in, you know, getting quality players. So, and this is the time to get them. So, 
You know, we've got a number of guys we're trying to get over the line. And I'd like to hope we get maybe one or two in this week and then just move things forward for there. So, no, it's still still quite busy. What's the prerequisite? Is it signing Australians or signing players with the same surname as you? It's um, signing players. <laughs> Mark Donaldson has passed on to the coaching and recruitment department. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and I can confirm, yes, Nathaniel Atkinson and uh, Kai Rolls both start for Australia tonight. So that's... Yeah. Uh, Cost me a waitrose meal for two. Um, <laughs> gone up. McDonald's uh, happy meal. Happy the McDonald's were the first one now at waitrose, mate. We've moved up in the world. <laughs> Mandos. Small steps. <laughs> so we will obviously talk about, about this season and look ahead to next season in the future as well over the next hour or so with Robbie. Okay, first up, uh, Robbie, I thought it'd be good to have a quick check back to that midterm report card as we referred to it when you came on in January um, and just see where we're at now and, and how things compare to your answers back then um, one of the first questions we asked you at that time was what had pleased you most about the season so far at that point and you highlighted that the away performances had been a big positive for you but with some room for improvement um, if we ask the same question now, what's pleased you most about the season as a whole? Would it be a similar answer? I think it would be, you know, the consistency over the season was probably the main thing. I think we're, we were always going to have a, a dip at some point because when you look at the the comparable squad sizes between ourselves and the old firm, you know, Rangers ran like, I thought Celtic were 29 stroke 30 players last season. Rangers were about 28 and we ran maybe about 20, 21. So there was always going to be a period where we, would struggle with injuries and I think that kind of February, March time we lost a number of players at the same time and we had that wee kind of fall off in form and that's what we're, you know, having spoken to Joe and the board and Anne and Andrew McKinley about it, that's, that's what we need to try and make sure that we have enough players in the group that it doesn't happen again. So yeah, con- consistency of the group was good, you know, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement that comes from having a bigger stronger squad that was the perfectly it leads on to the, the next question that we asked you actually in January which was about where is the room for improvement obviously you've mentioned in terms of the squad size at the time we spoke to you it was mid-January you, you talked about looking to strengthen in forward areas and sure enough by the end of the month you brought in Ellis Sims um, asking the question now about room for improvement both on the whole and maybe specific areas what would you say at this point I think there's a number of areas. I think, you know, first of all, defensively, we need to add, obviously, we've lost John Suter, who's one of our main players. So we need to recruit in that area. Um, Midfield-wise, to be honest, like, all over the pitch, we have to continue to improve. You know, we, ha- we had some good performances this year. We've had some good players. One of the key things was trying to I mean, re-sign the guys that were out of contract. So your Halkits, your Kingsleys, still waiting, Pete and Haring, you know, a couple of us. And then adding quality to that. So, yeah, I think that, you know, there was, there's, there's still room for improvement. I think we we need more quality in all areas and more quantity as well. Because when you look at the actual fixture list from the start of the season until the World Cup break, it's it's like so intense. You know, nothing that we've ever experienced before at Hearts. You know, I think that the final month before the World Cup break, we have nine, I think it's nine games in a month, 
which is unheard of for us. So, you know, having to prepare the players for that and having a squad that's capable of of sustaining not only the European, you know, front, but also maintaining where we are in the league is really important. Here's one um, for you, Robbie. I think it's. I always think it's unfair asking a manager what are your targets for for the season ahead because sometimes you get different answers compared to what your personal targets are. But I think a fair question would be, when we spoke to you 12 months ago, you didn't let on too much about what your targets were for last season. But now you can hopefully tell us what were your personal targets for Hearts 12 months ago? How close did you get to them or did you go by them and succeed them? I think that you know, the, the plan is always to try and get European football. You know, whether that be third, fourth or fifth, I think it was really important we came up. But like I said back 12 months ago, Mark, that you're never really sure where you are with the squad. You know, I've sure. come up a number of times with, with teams and you can have that great feel-good factor when you, you win the championship and you move up. But it's a different story when you come into the top flight because you, you previously when you're playing the championship, you can at times play it 60% and still win the game, you know. Mm-hmm. Can you do it consistently? You know, can you be at 80, 90, 100% consistently through the season? So, you know, my, going back to your question, my target for Hearts was when we came up, I wanted to try and get European football. You know, externally we said that we would we want to try and be sustainable, we want to try and get top six, but really internally we're going like, let's try and get Europe because as you can see with the finances that are going to come in from European football, it's massive for the club and we've managed to do that. Now, next season's objective will be, can we progress in Europe? Can we you know, put on a good show there, win games? But can we also sustain where we are in the league and try and push on from there as well and get closer to the old firm? Hence the reason why we need a bigger squad. How do you keep everybody happy? Because 1998, Hearts won the Scottish Cup. The message in the newspaper, the headline was, we'll spend, spend, spend to match the old firm. So they, they, they spent too much. It didn't work. They spent it wrongly. You're trying to get a bigger squad, so you've got more players to, to keep happy. Is it quality over quantity you're now going for with all those games? Or is it quantity and quality if you can afford to not spend what you don't have? How do you manage all that? Well, like I said earlier on, you know, Rangers and Celtic are running with, you know, almost 30-man squads. We're not going to get to that level. You know, we, we're hopefully going to try and get to probably around about 24 players. You know, so we still, you know, six players short of what these teams are playing with, but we, we hope that with extra finances coming in, we'll be able to get, I would say, 18 players that, are, that we really think are first team players and then probably six guys that are coming in just to help us out a wee bit. So, you know, that's what we do. And like, hopefully we can go through a season where we don't have too many injuries that allows us then to continually pick you know, or rotate the team, but still bring that quality in. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's it's going to be difficult to compete with all fun. Don't get me wrong, but that's the aim we have to get. We don't want to be a team that are looking behind us. We want to look at the guys there and say, right, how can we get as close as we can to them? Robbie, as as the coaching staff, how are you guys planning on juggling the European football and the Premier League? Is it something that you guys are going to sort of work on in pre-season in terms of play different styles, either in the Premier League or Europe, or will it just be sort of same style all through the, the season? We're, we're going to go, as we have last season and we'll do it next season, we're going to work in two, two formations. You know, yeah. the European games, yeah, I've been speaking to a few coaches and fitness coaches at different various clubs and 
finding out what they did because it is, it's a probably other than Craig Gordon um, and on the coaching staff, probably Lee McCulloch are the only ones that have really played consistently in either Champions League or Europa League where it, or conference where you have to play Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. So just try to find out what these clubs do, what these guys feel going into these games because, you know, it's really, really important that we've got the players ready for the Thursday, but it's also really important that we're ready for the games on Sunday because, to be honest, the, the, the league position is the one that allows us to build the club. That's the one that allows us to get into Europe consistently, allows us to bring the finances in consistently. consistently. So it's so important that we can, you know, we do things right, not on just on the pitch, but off the pitch to make sure the players are, given the best chance to perform on both fronts. Yeah, so do you think that would change your structure? Because I know being involved in that, it's very, you have to be very careful because if you are not playing on the Thursday night, Wednesday session's very light, you're not involved Thursday, Friday's very light. Is that something that you guys are focusing on? And not saying that there's almost going to be two different groups, but you're going to have to be very careful of those boys that aren't involved in all of those games. Touching on what Mark said there, it's about managing the group, you know, and guys realising that you, know, you might not play on Thursday, but you have a good chance of only playing on Sunday, you know, but yes, you know, a lot of the time in Europe, it comes down to, you know, yes, it's tactics, but it's also making sure the players are ready to perform and on a Thursday, on a Sunday, on a Thursday, on a Sunday, so it comes into, you know, we've brought a nutritionist in, we've got a psychologist in, you know, we've got a really good sports science team as well, so it's how can we not just prepare the players tactically, but physically as well, because to be honest, physically is probably the most important. You know, mm-hmm. you you play in Greece on a Thursday night and you're a half eight kickoff. You're not getting home until potentially four or five in the morning. You know, on a Friday. Yeah. Tactically wise, on a Friday, you then come on a Saturday. Your match day, you know, the day before a match. So you're doing forty five minute sessions. So it really comes down to you know how can the players one manage themselves and their body. So we have to help them do that. So that's been one of the biggest with things we've looked at over the pre-season is how can we help the players, you know, nutrition, psychology, physically being ready, and then the yeah. take care of themselves because we know what we're doing. We've got two systems to play. We'll work it, work it right through pre-season. We're going to stick to that. We're recruiting players that can play that, and it's just about how we can prepare them physically now. Just as we're recording this, just to, to move slightly away from it, um, some news coming in that uh, obviously you would have been aware of, Robbie, but uh, none of us three were, that Peter Haring has now signed a new deal. The the update that we were all waiting for from the Hearts Twitter feed. Um, you must be delighted to get that one over the line. Yeah, I'm, we've, been, we've been trying to get Peter signed up now for a couple of months and it's just taken a bit of time, you know, so absolutely delighted. It's they get agreed probably about a week ago and it was just a couple of wee bits and bobs. So great to get the big man back on board with us and like, he's been great since I came in. I know he had some injury issues previously, but to be honest, he's trained almost every day since I came in a couple of years ago. So delighted, delighted that it's out there now. And you're working on a, a few other things. Uh, one of the other deals that is over the line, I know we, you're, you're, we're not going to try and make you talk about things that haven't happened yet, but uh, Kai Rolls, uh, who is playing for Australia in 40 minutes in his second international cap 
23-year-old centre-back, will be joining Hearts in the summer. Another Aussie. Um, what can we expect from him? Look, it's, it's so we've, we've agreed the contract. We've signed the player. It just needs to go through the GBE now, which is the panel that allows us to get the, the visa to get him in. So it's not quite done. So, But we're very hopeful that that will go over the line. But I think he'll, he'll look really, really good defender. Athletic, young, good on the ball. Left-sided as well. It gives us a bit of balance. So I think it'll be very, very well for us. And you know, I'm really excited about Brian Moore because I haven't spoken to Nick Montgomery's coach over there. Who I know as a friend of a friend, he thinks he can play down in the Championship, potentially Premiership. So if we can get a guy at that level in here, I think he'll do very well for us. And yeah, I'm excited to see what he brings to the group. Bar's been risen, Robbie, hasn't it, by achieving what you've achieved in the last couple of years. How do you ensure that the the, the line, the upward trajectory continues? Because this will be the hardest of the three seasons so far to maintain that progress, won't it? Yeah, look, the, the next season's always a hardest season, you know, especially when the team is doing well. So it's just a case of progressing, you know. I think we, as a club, you and I sat down and said, look, we want to have a style of play. We want to, you know, it allows us one to to have a, a style that we say this is how Hearts play but also allows us to recruit as well it allows the younger ones to come through I think we have to continue to do that and then it's just to keep bringing players through a development system that can play it and improve the team or bringing guys in that can lift the level of the team up as well so but it's an exciting time I think this season you know, yes the, the, the biggest difficulty we're going to have this season is like we spoke before is it doing Thursday, Sunday Thursday, Sunday you know, a lot of the teams will play against in the league will have, you know, Saturday, Saturday turnaround. So they will be fresh, they'll be coming to Tyne Castle, they will be at it. You know, we finished third last season, there's going to be that marker on our back. We could potentially come back from a big game in Germany, France, Turkey, whatever, and we have to be ready for these games. And that's going to be the biggest challenge for us this season. What's the biggest difference in you from the time that you were preparing for the games against Infonet and, and Birker Kara? In 2016, I think it was, um, and and I remember sitting with you, and you were you'd gone through everything that you could about the opposition. But as a manager now, six years on, preparing for more European football, what's the biggest thing you've learned over that time that will help you prepare better for these upcoming European fixtures? Kind of what we touched on a wee bit ago. It's it's preparing the players. As in, like physically, mentally, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. Previously, when we went into Europe, it was about the tactical side of it. We looked at the opposition, this is how they play, this is how we're going to play. But when you actually, you know, look at the games, you know, and the turnaround of the games, it's about preparing them physically and mentally and making sure they're ready for it. You know, how do we, how do we prepare for these European games? You know, previously, we would have travelled in a a Wednesday, so it's a Thursday night game. I travelled on a Wednesday, but I got to the ground. Scott, I got to the, the, the country, got to the ground right for the airport with a trained, you know, you have to do press, you have to do, so two players have to do press, the manager has to do press, then you have to go and train. By the time you finish training, you get off the training pitch about 10 o'clock at night, half 10, then have to go and eat. Then by the time the guys get to the bed, it's maybe, you know, one o'clock in the morning. You then wake up in the morning, you know, the players, you take them out for a walk, it's 80 degrees. You know, all these kind of learning curves for me are now that the plan is this season, we train it in Edinburgh, we then travel, 
we go to the stadium, but we just walk around so the press can go get done. We don't need to deal with that nonsense. You know, the two players go, the manager goes, doesn't disrupt anything. It means the players getting back to the hotel, they can settle down, they can have a meal, they can then go and, you know, settle down for a night. The following day, we made a decision, do we got to walk, do we just take it easy? So it's more, it's more of the tactical side that I've learned. It's more the, the physical side and the mental side to get the players ready. Robbie, touching on this season, um, in January, you said that the best moment was Suda's winner versus Celtic in the first league game of the season and what that meant to the club. Would that still be your best moment from that season gone or has there been something since January? Nah, Obviously, Hibs at semi. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. That the, slight one? The first game was good. Uh, against them, we beat them at Tynecastle and put them down at the bottom six. The second game was probably the best, to be honest. We had, that moment when that final whistle went, you know, when we knew that, because that, that for me was a defining moment of the season. One that, you know, it got us into a Scottish Cup final, but also what it did, it guaranteed European group stage football, which is massive for the, for the club, massive. You know, it means that we can now start planning for the future. We can start planning for this coming season as well. So that was probably a moment, you know, not, not, not um, Big Ellis's goal, not Stephen Kingley's goal, that final whistle when it came and we were out in the pitch, I thought that was that was the moment of the season. And then just touching on, how did you handle the you know when the fixtures came up and you realised that you'd be playing them in the league game the week before, then playing the semi final? Did that have anything to do? You know, would you, you prefer just to play them in the semi final, or were you glad that once you've you know sort of beaten them well in the league, that gave the the team confidence going into that semi final? I think when you play these games, you know. The most when it came back to back, the most important one is the next one, you know. Mm-hmm. But you have to win that one, you know. So the league game became the focus, and when you, yes, probably when you look at the balance of the two fixtures, the the Scottish Cup game is the most important because it gives you a chance to get a final guaranteed European football. But you can't take your eye off the ball, and you know you're playing Hibs, you're in a derby, you're at Tynecastle, you've got to win it, you know. So there's no qualms about, you know, let's focus on this one. It's just we've got to win this game. And yes, people say does it it builds momentum going into the next game, but it can also, you know, have that momentum for, I wouldn't say momentum, but it, it gives almost a pressure release from Hibs because they've lost the, the first game, they're going to the second game, a wee bit less pressure on them. Whereas mm-hmm. we had the whole time and I felt that but the players handled it magnificently. And that that for me was a defining Couple of, probably the final seven days of the season for us. You know, we had to win the teams and the players managed to do it. We talked about um, sort of worst moment or most disappointing moment of the season uh, up to that point when we spoke in January. You mentioned dropping points at home to Hibs and Aberdeen. A disappointed year, but I think the defeat at Petodre, where you said basically you didn't turn up that day, was probably the most disappointing game at that point. Um, now, up until the end of the season, uh, has there been any moments or games that have probably taken that mantle? I know it's not a mantle as such, but what were you most disappointed at at this point? Probably the, the cup final at the end. You know, you go into these games and we felt like going into that game that for the first, you know, we felt if we started the game well and we went to get pressure on them and put them under the pressure, we could, we could turn the game. And I felt probably for the first 50, 60 minutes we did that, but I just felt that. After that, we kind of ran out of gas. You know, we had a number of players who hadn't trained or played for six, eight weeks. And 
we just didn't have enough in one in the squad but also in the tank to to really kick on and go and win the game. And now that was probably the biggest disappointment because I felt I really felt we had a chance if we'd if we'd get that get a goal in the first 45, 60 minutes, I felt we couldn't want to win it. And I didn't think we did enough to give ourselves a chance to do that. In terms of the cup final from the outside, the way we kind of saw it was looking to take advantage of Rangers early on, um, maybe try and get that early goal, but seemed to run out of steam a little bit. Was there anything that disappointed you about um, the match in particular? Was that the game plan, try and catch them out early on? And also, in addition to that, a lot of people highlighted Rangers playing midweek, but was that something that people focus on a little bit too much? Was that really never going to impact them as much as people maybe had hoped from a Hearts perspective? I, th- I think they, when you look at Rangers, you know, they they have a, a, a really strong squad. Some of the Celtic, you know, they can make changes, you know, they, you know, I, I, you know, I can't remember what the starting line that was when they played Europe, but they, they brought in, you know, I think it was five, potentially six different players, you know. So that, you know, so the freshness and talking about the Wednesday night or Thursday night when they played, it's going to do. But I just feel it's more ourselves, you know. We, we obviously had John, John Suter and Halkett, who both hadn't played or trained for six, eight weeks with boys two who was carrying an injury, and a couple of other guys with, with Cammy Devlin who we didn't expect to play, you know, probably sixty minutes. Never mind the amount of time we played. So I just felt that we, you know, it was. That stage of the season where we, we weren't at full capacity and full quality and fitness wise, and I think if we had, then we'd give ourselves a much better chance to go and win the game. And I felt that the Rangers squad eventually came through. You know, they made they made changes to the, the centre midfield area where they brought on, I think it was Wright, Jack, and Kamara. Mm-hmm. You know, and that real energy into that central area, and we just didn't have that. Didn't feel on the bench, you know, to really go and kick on from there. So at 60, 60, 70 minutes, the game could have started to go away. And it's one of them where they, you know, they tried to change things to try and bring a positivity because I felt we needed to get something before the, the 90 minutes because I always felt we into the extra time that we, we John on, we Devlin on, we Hulk on. You know, that, that defensive unit was always going to drop back with the fitness levels that they had. The more it does then, it then allows Rangers to play in front of you, you know, instead of playing across their own back line. So... Yeah, it was again it goes back to, you know, like learning curves for a role, you know, look at it and get into these games and you know, should you pick players that are your best players or should you pick the fittest players? To be honest, I would probably go back and I would always try and play my pick my best players as opposed to my fittest players. So, you know, it's one of those ones. We've got a question. Andy Grant on Twitter actually had had mentioned this and kind of put it to you. He's he had do you regret the amount of key players used in the run in when the season was done, obviously means the league season. Um, will you rethink youth policy going into the early part of next season? So I guess that's maybe looking at the amount of players maybe that were used. Would you would you have rested any more if you could have? Or was that just didn't really have the option with the squad? Two sides of it. Like the, the first one, let's say like resting players, you know, we had to get players fit. That was the thing, you know, it wasn't a case of resting them. So we had to we had to try and get John Suter fit, we had to get Halkett fit, we had to get Cammy Devlin fit. You know, we we Boise, Boise is one of the guys that wants to play every single week. You know, so if you take him out for a couple of weeks and you chuck him into a cup final, he's only to be ready. So you have to keep players ticking over. With regards to the younger ones, you know, because I was in a reserve league last season, all our kind of 
what you would classify as a, a kind of main um, young players that we we call them high performance players that we expect to come through, we hope to come through. They all had to go on loan, you know. So we had like so Finley Pollock, Connor Smith, Liam Watson, and guys like that, you know, that if if we had a reserve team, then towards the end of the season we would have, we would have probably put them in. But we didn't have that. So we had you know Mackenzie Kirk and guys like that, some of the younger ones that Probably to be honest, we weren't ready to come into that first team group. And let's be honest, I, I always believe that I, I think you should have to earn the right to play for Hearts. I, I don't believe you should just give out you know appearances for Hearts willy nilly and say, right, look, we're playing X team at the end of the season, you know, on you go, son, go and play. You know, I think you should have to earn the right. I think you should be at a level where they go, right, you've earned the right to play for Hearts because I think it should be an honour. I don't think people should be coming, you know, when they're 50 years old and saying, I played three games for Hearts. You know, well, what was it? Well, it's the end of the season and they was really that bored. You know, so I'm, I'm, I know, and I know some people think you should just chuck play, young players in, but I believe that, you know, to play for Hearts should be an honour. I think you should earn it. I don't think, I think you should be at a level to say, right, you have earned that right to come and play for this football club. So I just felt that, you know, some of the younger ones hadn't earned that right yet to go and play. And I might be wrong, you know, it might just be me being a wee bit, maybe potentially old-fashioned about it, but I do believe that's the way it should be. So, you know, I, it was it could be a rotated potentially, but I didn't think, firstly, you know, some of the senior ones needed game times. But secondly, I didn't think these the younger ones had really earned the right to go and play in the first team. Taking you back to the cup final, Robbie, Leading Hearts out at Hamden alongside Stevie Morris. What did that mean to you and how did it come about? Ah, look, brilliant, brilliant guy. And, you know, it's um, shows such strength of, you know, firstly, you know, fighting the condition he's got and also agreeing to come out. You know, I was, you know, obviously we're sponsored by MND Scotland and I just felt it was the, the right thing to do. You know, I think we have a platform to, you know, get get the, the charity out there, expose it and say, look, this is this is what we're doing. I think we have to use it. I asked Stevie if he'd come and I, to be honest, I wasn't sure if he would or not because I thought, you know, it might be something that he doesn't want to do, but he was absolutely delighted and I thought, he spoke to the players before the game, just briefly and, you know, his situation and his story a wee bit, I mean, he was a massive Hearts fan. I think that, you know, Hearts, Hearts is about it's about the fans. Let's be honest; that's what it is. You know, it's about the fans, and if we can, you know, we've hopefully given Stevie something to remember for a long, long time, and we've allowed you know that that story to try and you know embellish MND and try and help that charity as well. And you know, the history with it, Marius mm. as well is really important for us. So you know, it was great, and I've you know, not seen a bigger smile in my life when we walked out and we met him. Just, <laughs> on the park yeah it, it was amazing and it was so touching and so so emotional and I, I, all all of our fingers are crossed that um, he'll be able to, to see a full European campaign for hearts um, the draws made at the start of August which kind of leads me to, to my next question guaranteed as it stands right now to be playing in the group stage of the Europa League is Braga, Feyenoord, Rennes, Real Sociedad, Real Betis, Freiburg, 
Union Berlin and FC Nantes. Guaranteed to be playing in the group stage of the Conference League, is it Alkmaar, Pauk, Istanbul, Bashakshah here, Maccabi Tel Aviv, West Ham, Astana, Molde, Zoria, Apoel, Stau Bucharest and Bati Borisov. Now, you're guaranteed to be playing in the Conference League group stage as well, but potentially you could be playing in the Europa League in the group stage. So, best chance of success for Hearts, would it be the Europa League group stage or the Conference League group stage? Is it prestige or progress you're looking for? What names in there, Mark? Isn't there? Hi. <laughs> pretty, pretty good, son. Good in Scrabble. Exactly. You know. But for us, the, the, the first port of call is we, we want to try and get the Europa League. So those two back to back playoff games are massive for us. You know, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're trying to recruit for. We're trying to recruit players that will allow us to try and get into the Europa League group stages. You know, if that doesn't happen, then it's great. We're going to the conference and all the, the kind of games that come with that. But I think first and foremost, we have to aim for that. You know, we want to try and aim as high as we can. If we get into the Europa League, don't get me wrong, we, we'll, we'll go in there as the, the lowest seed in probably our group, but we want to try and win it. You know, we want to try and win these games. And I think it'd be great for the fans. But to be honest with it, either group we go in, conference or Europa, it's going to be great, you know, because financially it's brilliant for the club. It allows us to build, but also great for the fans. Guaranteed away games, you know, one of the qualifier, three in the, the group stages, and it's just about building the club. Robbie, on some of the younger players, young uh, Ewan Henderson signed a one-year contract extension. Um, and in January, you mentioned that it's better for him to stay at Alloa, play 40 times and score 20 goals, but um, and then see if he can come into the Hearts team next season. He actually did better than that with the goal ratio. He played 29 appearances and scored 17 goals. Do you think he's a chance to be more involved next season? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, Ewan's one that's going to be in the group right from the start. You know, we I spoke touched on right at the start. We yes, we'll bring players in, but we're also going to promote some of the younger ones. And I think Ewan, you know, Ewan's still a development player for us, but he's getting closer and closer to being you know a first team player. And I think this will hopefully be the season where he really kicks on. Really pleased with the London at Alloa, you know, and I think that, you know, showing that what he's got, pace, power, you know, both footed, you know, knows the game. So, yeah, I think this will be a, a real defining season for him. And uh, Connor Smith as well. He's uh, done that loan spell at Queen's Park. Yeah, look, again, Connor's been excellent out there. You know, Queen's Park, uh, the feedback's from management brilliant, having watched the games and we sent a number of people out. He's in the Scotland 21s as well. And again, he's another one that's going to come into the group that, you know, we'll do the pre-season with us and we'll assess where he is. And, you know, I hope that he's going to be one that stays within the group. And I always speak to the players, the younger ones that start actually before they leave for the, the end of the season and say, you have to look after yourself, make sure you, you get to do the run, make sure you come back fit because the pre-season is an opportunity. You know, we'll play 10 games in pre-season. And these guys get a chance to be part of the group and hopefully be a big part of the group as well. I know you probably don't like saying or, or, or touching on any of them, but is there a dark horse that you feel that maybe the Hearts fans haven't seen that you have real high hopes for that you can mention on here? Look, I always feel it's a, it should be and it is difficult for the younger players to get into the first team. You know, it should be at Hearts. You know, we shouldn't be a team that, you know, we just give players willy-nilly. But I think there's a couple of them in there. I think that young Harry Stone at the moment is, you know, he had a couple of loans when he went out. He went to party and started really well. 
had a wee blip when um, goalie came in and had a, uh, I think it was a club record, 11 clean sheets in a row. So he couldn't get back in again. It probably wasn't his fault. Went to, back down to Al- Albion Rovers, did really well. I think he'll kick on. You know, I think we've got Scott McGill went to playoffs with Airdrie, did really well. You know, obviously we spoke about Connor. We've spoke about, well, again, Finlay Pollock, we speak about regularly, who I think this will get a defining season for him as well because he's now starting to get that physicality. He's a wee bit of game time with East Fife as well, which was great for him. So there's a number of them that, that, that are bubbling there and it's just a case of can they kick on and can we help them kick on and then get into the first team. When we spoke last summer, Robbie, you were you spoke about looking to refresh the squad, about looking to get a bit more youth and energy into it. And you mentioned specifically looking to get the average age down and recruit guys under the age of 26, if possible. Um, I mean, looking at the signings that you made over the course of the season just finished, Ross Stewart was 25 at the time of signing, Janelli 24, Beningame 22, Devlin 22, Barry Mackay was 26, Cochrane 21, Woodburn 21, Moore 24, Sims 21, Atkinson 22, and Sibic 22. So all under 26, apart from Mackay, an average age of 22.73 for the new signing. So certainly stuck with what you said was the policy. Is that the same policy for the recruitment this summer, or have you tweaked that slightly with the change of expectations? It's, to be honest, it's always the, the policy for us when we try and get young players that we can bring in and try and develop. You know what I mean? This is going to European football, I think, might need a wee bit of experience as well. You know, so there might be one or two that come in that are maybe above that bracket. You know, we're not talking about guys who are, you know, 34, 35, because I still think you need that energy enthusiasm. But I do think we need a wee bit of ex- European experience. Ryan McGowan's eyes have lit up. Can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think we, we, we might need a wee bit just to help us, you know, because when you look at the squad at the moment, you know, there's very, very few that have played regular European football. Probably Craig Gordon's the only one. You know, it's done it on a regular basis. So to maybe try and get one or two in that, that, that can help the group that way would be beneficial. But again, it comes down to, you know, finances as in, you know, guys that are 29, 30, like Gowser, are looking for big contracts with big money. You know, and it's... <laughs> Not me anymore. Not me anymore, Robbie. He said last week he'd play for free for Hearts, Robbie. Three was it three or three? Okay. three. <laughs> he just wants to live in Bonnerig in a three-bedroom semi, so he can play for his team. Um, <laughs> on um, on the younger players, I've got a question actually. Callum Robertson, who um, used to be the chairman of the HYDC, he um, asked uh, a question. Said if, if if the gaffer has a bit of time, he said a number of players from the academy have used the loan system, but what does the academy need to do to develop the players into first team players and not loan players who don't seem to progress to the Hearts first team? Obviously, the lack of a reserve league has impacted player development, but in recent years we haven't produced a number of players that I'm sure Robbie would like, and that's cheers, Callum. And I, I thought that question was quite pertinent, even more so now with the news that the Hearts B team will obviously be entering the Lowland League and, and how that might impact things. Yeah, look, I think the, the, the B team getting in the Lowland League will be massive for us, to be honest with you. I think it will be great development for the younger players. And I think, last, to be honest, the last probably three years has been difficult for the young players. You know, we had COVID for whatever it was, 18 months, two years. So a lot of the guys lost a lot of game time, training time. And then they come back in, there's no reserve football. And hence the reason we put 
these guys out on loan, but the difficulty you have when you put them out as loan, you've got no control over on game time, style of football, you know, the management they get either. So that can be really difficult. You know, we, we let's say we put, um, what's his name? Harry Stone, sorry, like last season, and he went to Partick and started really well, you know, came out the team, goalie comes in, no fault of Partick at all, to be honest with you, but he didn't get the games that we'd hoped he'd have got out there. Whereas when we get the B team, we know this guy's going to play, you know, 35, 40 games a season. And, it, you know, for all the training you can do, for all the coaching you can do, the one-to-ones in the video, actual game time at a good level is the most important thing for these young players. So but I think that the B team will be a huge step forward for us, huge, and it'll take the that younger group, you know, to a different level where they're, you know, they're not playing under-18s football against a 15-year-old and then been asked to come and play first-team football. They're playing, you know, real competitive football against men and then making that step to come and play with the first team. Kind of a bit of fun here because there's been a lot of serious questions and answers, which have been great so far, but we had our end-of-season awards last year. I'm not going to ask you for the worst referee in performance because Nick Walsh ran away with that one. Uh, I'm not going to ask just, you... Just for... have to look at Robbie's red cards. That'll probably highlight the games right. where it was the worst refereeing performance. I'm not going to ask you anything that could get you into trouble, but instead I'm going to go from a more positive perspective. So I'm going to ask you four questions. So have a think about this one. I'm going to ask for your goal of the season. I'm going to ask for Hart's most complete performance of the, se- the season. I'm going to ask for the best Craig Gordon save. And finally, I'm going to ask for the most handsome outfield player. It has to be outfield because Craig's already run away with the most handsome player at the football club. Goal of the season for Hearts, Robbie. I'm going to say Stephen Kingsley's. Yes. Um, that free kick, that was a thing of beauty. Yeah. yeah absolutely. We had, we'd actually worked on it, but on the opposite side. So it was meant to be that Stephen played it into Barry, right? So it was Lee Gordon and Paul Gallagher and Jake Shear did analysis work on a lot of the set players. And we worked on it on that side. But the players, to be honest, we took it on themselves to work it on the opposite side. And it was the absolute thing of beauty. Most complete... By the way, Stephen Kingsley won that award last week for us. We agreed with that. Most complete performance of the season. Which match... Had that one, Mark, to be honest with you. I don't know. Like, try to think back to some of the good games. Like, I don't know. I need to pass on that one, mate, to be honest with you. I think the, the, the we, two that we came up with, um, uh, we had Hearts 5, Dundee United 2, and Hearts 3, Livy 0, which we thought you just kind of totally neutralized the, the opponent. Those were the two that we kind of mentioned, um, quite a lot last week. I think there was a lot of games that we, we dominated possession, but there was games where we just couldn't quite get that final moment, you know, in the games. And I would probably say the Livy game was good. Um, you know, I think the, the Dungeon United game was great, but we lost two goals, but it's quite an open game. Uh, I say, like, I actually really, really, to be honest with you, I enjoyed the, the game down at, God, what was it called? The, the first Scottish Cup game down at... Ock and Leck. Ock and Leck. I thought <laughs> I, really, I really enjoyed that one because, to be honest, there was massive pressure on us, wasn't there, in the club with the... the the season before up at Brora, we were going down there, TV cameras were down there, and I thought the players were like ultra professional. They went down, you know, everything was done properly, and they won the game convincingly against a very, very good team, to be honest with you, like a really good junior team who, you know, they fancied their chances against mm-hmm. us. For me, looking back, uh, that was, you know, people look at 
cup finals, semi-finals or this, but I thought that was a game where we were under a lot of pressure and the players stepped up to the plate and produced a really good performance. Because you went the week before, did you not, <laughs> to watch them play and you got stick in the main stand? <laughs> to be fair, I was getting a bit of stick. I was getting a bit of stick, to be fair. It was, it was <laughs> my mate, and a few folk being as a bit of um, awking left banter. Just, I went, <laughs> loves the ideas to my daughters are about. <laughs> <laughs> Best Craig Gordon save of the season. There's only a couple to choose from, so which, <laughs> which one are you going for? Yeah, you better just put them in a tombola, mate, and picking one out. Uh... He's given us his top three, so see if you, you agree with him. Oh, of course. Come on, any chance to talk about himself? <laughs> What's he got then? Porteous is number one. Yep. He's got uh, Livy at number two at Amund Vale. Remember the, 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 the kind of save there? The four, um, four saves in a row, I think. Which yeah. one? And Ross County, when uh, Callaghan had the follow-up and surely should have scored, but the first save and then followed the, the follow-up was his top three. You agree with that? You happy with that? It, it could be any. Every day in training, mate, there's actually boys clapping him in some of the saves. You know, it does. <laughs> so, like, the big man's been unbelievable. Like, still, obviously, I played with him like, 10, 15 years ago, and he was a top, top goalkeeper at that point. I don't know if he would have won the, the, the best looking player back then, but now he's clearly won the, the most handsome player. So we had to go for most handsome outfield player. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to answer this, but I'll offer it to I'm you. Go, I'm going to go for Stephen Kingsley when he wears his Ray Bands. He likes to wear a pair of bands about this. Day. I like so that. Yeah. That, was, that was my choice. Yeah. Bit, bit, he's a wee bit. Um, a wee bit different in his styles, but I like it. I do like it. Do you not think he's a bit like a, it could be an RAF pilot, maybe a Top Gun? He could be in Top yeah, Gun, yeah. That's potential. Because, uh, <laughs> I did like a bit of Top Gun in my, my, my youth, and that's maybe what I'm getting it from, but no, he's, uh, he's I like his style. There's a few that I don't. Neymar. Cammy Devlin. No. Cammy, no. He's, he's still, um, no. I'll leave that one there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and take away from Mark's fun a little bit by getting more serious again. Uh, we've spoken before, and I know you've spoken in the media, and Joe Savage has spoken in the media about you know looking forward, about trying to close the gap on Celtic and Rangers. Um, overall in the season, one win in 10 against uh, the old firm, if you're allowed to call them that still. I think lost the last four against Rangers and the last four against Celtic. Couple of big defeats in Glasgow since we last had John five 0 Ibrox four one at Celtic Park. Uh, is that a big disappointment? And how do you manage to try and close the gap? Because you know you've you've mentioned it yourself. There's no hiding from the fact they will always have far greater resources than the likes of Hearts. Yeah, that, that, that's where we are. You know, but we just have to make sure that we we continue to build. You know, it's about getting better players and you know pushing the club forward. You know, Rangers and Celtic have a budget probably eight, ten times as big as us. When you look at the, the changes, we went to Parkhead and, you know, we were in the game, I think it was like 0-0 at the time. It's a tight game and they bring on five players in the front, five that have got internationals, you know, looking at Rogic, Kyogo, um, Abada, guys like that, you know, it's that, that takes them away and it's kind of similar to, you know, where they make these changes and they take you, they take the team away a wee bit. You know, we have to get that level, to that level and, you know, one of the things we spoke to the players at the start of the season was, you know, can we go to Glasgow and win? You know, we haven't managed to do that yet, but, you know, that's going to be the same objective this season. Can we go to Glasgow and win games? You know, and then 
once we do that, can we do it consistently? Because you know, we have to try and get that belief within the club that we can go and do it. I remember, you know, I speak to Alex Smith, you know, the ex-Aberdeen and St. Murn manager. Mm-hmm. Alex, Alex over in Australia now, you know, but he, he talks about that, about when he went to Aberdeen, about the belief. So he was at St. Murn previously, as, you know, he won the Scottish Cup there and he said that when he used to go to Glasgow, he felt that the players didn't have that belief. And they got the Aberdeen job and they were up there and the players believed that they went to Gla- their job was to go to Glasgow and win. And it was something that they did consistently, and that—that's what we need to get to. We need have to. We need to get the players to a level where they they go to these grounds and they, they believe, really, really believe that they're going to turn up and win. And it's going to take time. It's going to take building the club, building the the quality of the squad. But that's what we need to get to. Looking ahead, um, well, for what we'll do, um, we'll look back quickly uh, because in the last time uh, you were on the podcast. We asked for a half-term grade um, between just your usual A to F grading and you gave the team a B in January at that point. Um, you said they'd done well but could do better. Um, if you were to give the grade now at the end of the season for the full term, would it be similar or would you be changing that mark? Uh, to be honest with you, I would probably keep it running about the same. You know, I think that you know, it's probably a B. I think they've done, done well. I think there's room for improvement. You know, I thought for me, an A plus would be winning the league and winning the Scottish Cup. So, you know, we haven't managed to win the league. We haven't managed to win the Scottish Cup, but we've had a, a good season and that we have finished third and we've, we've qualified for Europe. So, you know, we've always got to try and keep pushing and, and leave room to push as well. So, yeah, we'd probably put us in that kind of bracket. One question um, for you, Robbie, and thank you for your time. I appreciate you're on holiday with the, the family and you've taken time out from that. Um, a lot of Hearts fans are wondering about the future of Ellis Sims because we loved having him at the football club. Is it doable to get him on loan again with the premise that to Everton, look, he's, he's going to be playing guaranteed European football. Is that something that might happen? Can you work on that one? Or do you think we've seen the last of Ellis Sims in a Hearts jersey? I'd love to get him back. We're, we're trying to get him back, but if I'm being brutally honest, I don't think we'll get him back. I think the, you know, there's a lot of championship teams in England that, are, that have contacted me asking about him. Obviously, I've said he's been terrible and he should. <laughs> there's a lot of teams that, are, that I know are watching him and want to take him, and that's that's where we are at the moment. You know, we 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 bring these guys in, we give them a platform, we try and progress them, and when they come in and do well. Then move on again, and you know, yes, we'd love to do it to be honest, but I, I just don't see it happen, even though you've got European football, and that's nothing something that the championship clubs down in England can't offer. I know, I know we have that, but what they have is finances, you know. We, we, yeah, of course, we, to be Everton's credit, you know, we we didn't play, we, we just put a contribution to the wage, you know, a small contribution. You know, when he goes to the championship, they can pay. Someone can pay a much larger contribution or it can pay all of the salary. And I think that's what, that will happen to be honest with Finally, Robbie, uh, before we let you go and enjoy um, enjoy a bit of sun, hopefully a cold beer. In terms of next season, I know you won't want to commit to too much in the way of specifics, but what, what do you hope to achieve next season? Obviously, you're looking to progress. So you've set the standard very high. The campaign has just finished. Top three, cup final, what do you hope to achieve next campaign? I think the, the what we have to try and do next year is we have to compete in the European front 
while also competing in the league front as well. I mean, you look historically about the teams that have made Europe out with the old firm in Scotland. Historically, the, the season they've been in European competition, their league form has dropped dramatically. And we have to be a team that can compete on the European front but maintain and progress where we are in the league. And that's so important for us because the finances and the prestige and the feel-good factor that comes in from being in European football, we have to do that consistently for three, four, five years to allow us to build the club. And that, that for me, is the objective next season, to do it on both fronts. Because, as I say, historically, clubs out with the old firm haven't been able to do that, and we want to be able to do that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we can fulfil that. Um, we'll let you go, and obviously enjoy the first of, um, what is it, you'll have another three, four European holidays before Christmas, so um, you can work on that tan now and later in the year, hopefully, as well. But thank you for joining us, Robbie. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Laz. Well, thanks for your time. It's been good speaking to you, as ever. Hopefully we can do the fifth instalment in, on the European stage next year. Indeed. <laughs> From Stadio Olimpico, live, pre-game, <laughs> Robbie <it>. Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> Take that right, man. Thanks, boys. Cheers, Robbie. Cheers, Robbie. Cheers, Robbie. Thanks. Bye. Cheers, bye. That was Robbie Nielsen, Hearts head coach, joining us for a fourth time. And we should say you know, a massive thanks to Robbie. You know, we always appreciate guests coming on, but to do it uh, from holiday. I think he was obviously on his laptop in whatever apartment he was staying in, so a lot going on. So um, a, a few little interruptions sound-wise, but I think, Mark, that says a lot about him. They took the time. He took the laptop with him over to, I think, Spain he's in, um, just so he could have a catch-up with us at the end of the season. Sounded like he took his dogs with him as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to ask this. I think last time he made the joke about... Um, they were barking at John Souter, who got locked in the boot, didn't he? But <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> didn't want to go there this time. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, someone's managed to break in and escape John Souter to go to Ibrox. Look, that that was that was great, and I love the fact that he's he's he's, he's happy to answer questions. I know you you asked a couple of questions from fans, and we always see Ryan and I are. are the scaredy cats or whatever. You're the one that kind of goes in with the tackety boots, asking the negative questions. We're the one that tried to make sure he comes on for a fifth time. You're like, ah, but what about that shite performance? And, and the cup for, oh, aye, oh, aye. But he's, he'll answer it. But he's, he's, he's very good with his answers. He doesn't just say what people want to hear. He says what he thinks. And look, I, I really wanted to ask, and I'm, I'm glad I did, about the, the, the Stevie Morris decision. And, and that's just something that, not everyone would have thought about. I didn't even know that that Stevie had been in speaking to the players as well for a short spell, and that's just over and above. That's that's not something you get from a normal um, person. That's that's someone who is a thinker, uh, who's compassionate, who gets the football club, and I'm proud that 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 he's our he's our coach. And I'm also proud of the fact that he comes on this podcast. Regardless, it's not like, oh, we're well, only going to phone him and, and get him on if we've had a good season. or And we've been fortunate to have that. He's come on before when things haven't been great and he would continue to do so. And again, how many managers would do that? Yeah, he spoke he spoke really well, Ryan. And I think um, some things up quite well. And I think it was it was interesting, you know, we talked about the cup final and that was, that was his biggest disappointment, worst moment almost of the season, he said. And that kind of actually resonated with what a lot of 
fans suggested, which I thought was a little bit harsh, but Robbie almost kind of agreed on that front. Yeah, exactly. It shows you the mindset that they have, you know, within the change rooms. We all want to be a fly on the wall and and hear what's going inside Rickerton and and Tynecastle. So it's such a good insight to hear that, you know, they weren't just like, oh, what a season, you know, finished um, third, made a cup final. They're actually coming away from that season disappointed that they, you know, didn't win that cup final. And more importantly, the performance that they put in in that cup final, which is which is good because it leaves those players with, yeah, of course we did do well, but there is sort of uh, room for improvement and we can't rest on our laurels. And that's what you want. You know, if you want to get close to the the two teams in Glasgow, if you want to make the club, you know, good in European success, then these big games you need to turn up. And yeah, that was probably the best answer that I heard from him was that, you know, they weren't happy with, okay, we just made a cup final and we took it to extra time. They're coming away from that game being, you know, we didn't perform, which can't happen again next season when when there's going to be plenty of plenty of big games, not only in Europe, but like you said, there's going to be a big target on Hearts' back next season with what they've achieved, um, you know, this year. Certainly lots to look forward to for next season. Uh, this was the final podcast of the season uh, as we prepare to have our first break since the summer of 2019. A big thanks to everyone who's tuned in you know, throughout the time we've been putting these podcasts out there. And Mark, I thought it was quite quite fitting. It's been uh, 151 weeks in a row we have released oh. a podcast. One really five one weeks. Oh. Wow, what is that? What's that number all about? Oh. <laughs> Guys, uh, that was an open invitation for you to take the floor. Yes, well, that's. Uh, I don't like talking about it, you know that. So I'll just let that do the talking for it. But it's been a pleasure, guys. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And um looking for a couple of week, weeks off. Laurie, we need to catch up now that we're in Edinburgh for cold mm-hmm. beer. Mark, yeah, well, you're more than welcome. Get a flight. No, you, hey, you will, you're welcome over here. It's a lot easier to get a flight to the US than it seems to be to get to Europe <laughs> these these days. Um, we, we have to work on, on November. Mate, have, you seen the, have you seen Scott Rails? It's probably easier to get a flight to the US <laughs> than it is to get a train out to Muscle, really? to be honest. Oh, my now. goodness. Uh, we always like to look ahead, and we're already pre-planning for November's scarves around the, the funnel and what we're going to do um, to ensure that Gowser still maintains his role as a co-host when he's playing at the World Cup. So we'll, we'll work yes. on that. We'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. But thanks to everyone who gets in touch. Um, love getting the feedback, positive, negative. It, it really helps us. And it's, it's nice to know as well, Laurie, that there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people who've got in touch saying that whether it's our podcast or any of the other Hearts podcasts have been a big help to them during some who've struggled personally, but just as an accompaniment as well as kind of part of the family. So, yeah, we'll do it all again. Looking forward to, to coming back at um, the start of August, end of July, start of August, ahead of the, the European campaign and hope everyone has a good summer. And thank you for, for getting in touch over the, the past 151 episodes consecutively that, that we've been doing this for yeah actually it was more it was more that, that's how many weeks we we, we oh, weeks. more than one some weeks yeah so um but yeah thank you to everyone for tuning in thank you to to ryan of course for joining the team on a regular you, basis no thank you thanks for involving me guys it's been a pleasure really enjoyed it thank you to 
all our guests who've come on, Robbie Nielsen and and all the others as well. And we will be back. Um, we might have um, a couple of shows before we get to the season starting. Obviously, now that we're not involved in the League Cup group stages, we don't have to come back quite as early. But we'll probably have maybe one or two episodes uh, before the season starts properly. We are going to talk European football at some point. I know we had some um, suggestions, some feedback on favourite European memories. So we will get back onto that subject before the season starts because... Well, we're going on a European tour, so it's apt that we look back at some of our memories uh, of those from the past as well. But from myself, from Mark, from Ryan, uh, enjoy your summer break, and we'll be back in a few weeks' time. 